Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. Isn't it nice this morning to get the real meaning and um, the understanding of the tradition of Lent? Wow. And to get us all prepared for the Ash Wednesday service, you know there's only one this year. There's not going to be a morning service because our special speaker is from Lutheran Hour Ministries and he's going to be with us Wednesday night. And I think that is going to be a really special evening. So I hope we all get to come and participate. The imposition of ashes. Come right in. Bob, if you want to sign both of you in. And are there any, are there enough handouts there? One of the things we talked about last week, in case you weren't here, is these two nice little booklets that you can order online for about $1.29. Uh, know Your Bible, which is the, a, a short explanation of each of the 66 books of the Bible. And this one, How to Study the Bible, is a real treasure. And it's um, it just pretty well lays out some ways that you can study the Bible on your own if you want to. So I'll just leave these here for you to take a look at, and um, you can order those right online from Amazon. Um, let's see. Let's take a look first at our goal for this morning. If you'll look at your handout. Oh, I know what we need to do. This we're sort of a mixed group this morning. We really need to say our names out loud so that we all know who we are. We've been doing that every week, and that's been, uh, been a help. So how about uh, Bill? Joni Wallace. Joni Wallace. Elizabeth Keller. Holy Olson. Brandon Brown. Judy Brownson. Howard Brownson. Tom Weaver. Harriet Lansbury. Carol Dobler. Jim Dobler. John Falk. Alan Davis. Lynn Davis. John Bookless. Bob Burns. Judy Keenert. Philip Keenert. Dan Swales. Linda Nielsen. Jean Hartlow. Claire Hartlow. Dave Barber. Bob Stilson. Julia Stilson. Don Ward. Larry Danforth. Larry. Larry. Larry, you know the Wizard of Oz over there. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and Dan, you're on. Would you like to now say all the names of the people in the class? <laughs> <laughs> we are really glad to have you all the way from Iowa. <laughs> all right, um, number three on your goal, on your list here. This is our third class of Getting Started in the Bible. And our goal today is to provide the student with an overview of some of the themes and theological terms that we find in the Bible. Now, let me just hasten to say, this is a big disclaimer, we're just going to be talking about a few things. This is the tip of the iceberg, um, but maybe it will lead us in to further study and help us to make a, a commitment to get to know even more of the themes and the terms. And the reason we're doing this is we hope to have a clearer understanding of the Bible's message to our church and to us individually. The verse that we've been using all along is from 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. In other words, if God finds, I think, that we are 
faithful in our study, that we are faithful workers as we are studying his word. There is absolutely no need to be ashamed when it comes to studying his word. And then handling accurately the word of truth. We want to learn how to do this. We want to learn how to handle his word in a way that we are comfortable and confident. So I think we want to pray and then we'll get right into our class today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come together around your word every week. We thank you for the wonderful teaching that many of us have already had this morning at 8 o'clock and the understanding that we know what how important it is that we have the traditions that we do in our church, but even more important, to have the understanding of why we do the things that we do. And so we appreciate so much today, Laura, the preparation for Ash Wednesday that's coming up this week. We've waited a long time this year for Ash Wednesday. And so it's finally here. We thank you so much for this season of reflection. And Father, we thank you for today. We ask that you would be with us as we study together, open our hearts and minds, and may your Holy Spirit come and be our teacher in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the Scripps National Spelling Bee was held last May. Did you win? And almost, it was almost that exciting for me, Oli. Let me just explain this. Um, it was held at the Gaylord uh, Resort in uh, National Harbor in Maryland. Have any of you been there? Yeah. National Harbor, Maryland. Yeah. At the, the Gaylord, wow. And so at the spelling bee, a 14-year-old boy named Carthy Namani won by spelling a word that you might have heard in church, koinonia. That was the winning word. Um, here's how, what it looks like. This first word right here, koinonia. Now, we don't actually have that word in the scripture. We have the translation of it because this is a Greek word. The Christian fellowship or body of believers. And there are a lot of, many, many shades of meaning, but... That's the essential, I think. But isn't it exciting that that was even on the list of words, of spelling words. The boy knew how to spell it, and I have a feeling maybe along the way he knew what it meant, I hope. (laughs) But at any rate, koinonia is what we experience right here. We're doing this. We're doing it right now. It's what we have in this room. We are in fellowship together. It's more than friendship. Because we have a common bond, the love of Jesus, and our connection with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. That kind of a fellowship. Somebody has, um, I believe, Acts 2.24. And if I've given out some cards with scriptures for people to read along the way. And if you would like to turn to these, please do. We'll try to... Make sure we have time uh, for you to do that. But there are a lot of them, and I just thought maybe this would uh, move things along a little quicker. So our first reader with Acts 2.42 is Alan. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and the prayer. <clears throat> so this is the early church, and there were four things that were mentioned in that verse. Alan, you might want to read the four things again, if you don't mind. Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Yeah. So there's that fellowship. And that was a part of the early church. And it, um, it seems that it is suggested that fellowship is necessary for growth in our, our spiritual development. Okay, this word, koinonia, appears about 20 times in the New Testament. Um, and it can also mean the fellowship that we have around the communion rail. That's also a type of fellowship. We're um, experiencing that meal together in the bond of fellowship with the Holy Spirit and believers. Um, okay, another place that this is used is in 1 John 1, 3 through 7. 1 John 1, 3 through 7, if you'd like to locate that. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Your thoughts? Your thoughts about fellowship when we read this passage? Yes, Linda. Her son-in-law... Um went to a Missouri Synod Lutheran church where I, I grew up in an ELCA. And uh, one day I asked him, I said, why don't you go you know, to, up to communion with us? And he says, well, we don't fellowship with you. Ah. And I said, okay. <laughs> you know, and he tried to explain it. Instead, he asked two of the elders to come and talk to us. And uh, um, does the Missouri Synod really hang their hat on this Fellowship, you know, so I can't have a fellowship of non-believers. I can't walk in the light if there are non-believers. I think there's just some very strict interpretations of that. Um, I'm always thankful that King of Glory has a very nice explanation in the worship folder. This is what we believe, and if this is how you feel, you are welcome to come to the altar. So we, you know, I think we feel that if there's something going on that we don't, that personally we don't have right in our hearts, then we do need to get that straight with the Lord before we go to the altar to accept that that body and that blood. Um, But that, it seems to be more of an individual thing that we do. We trust the Holy Spirit in that. The Holy Spirit can convict us and tell us. And uh, we know that we need to get things straight before we can can take communion. Yes, Linda? Uh, verses uh, 5 through 10 in First John, mm-hmm. those are my favorite Bible mm-hmm. verses. 
but this is the first time that the word fellowship has jumped out at me. Oh. I mean, it, I mean it's, it's yeah. integral to the, to, the, to the verses. I can't believe we hit on that because, you know, we're going to do that later. We're going to yeah. share favorite verses. So this is yours. Yes. Well, let's stop right now and let you tell us how you happened upon this and why it's your favorite. And maybe you have a special translation or whatever. Well, um, the song, I want to... Like, I want to walk in the. I'll walk in the light. Yes. Uh huh. And I said that's got to be something in the Bible that has to do with this song. Uh-huh. So I mean, there's some some translation. So I looked, it, I searched it, I looked it up, and um, on my Kindle, and this jumped out at me. And oh. This is one of the one of the verses that I feel I've got written in my. You know, liturgy. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. is there a particular one from that passage? Read it. Read the one that you. Well, it's, it's five through ten. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Okay, so that's very similar to what Jen just read. Yeah. Oh, great. And so, when we walk in the light, we do have fellowship with one another. Oh, yeah, my, my daughter had a good friend up in uh, Pierce, South Dakota, and she belonged to the Wisconsin. Senate. Yeah, that's another strict one, I think. That's another trip, and my daughter went to confirmation with her one time, and a pastor made her leave the church because she was not a Wisconsin Synod, so she went out to sit in a car in a parking lot, and he made her move her car up into the street, so she was not a Wisconsin Synod Luther. Oh, oh, oh. oh my goodness gracious. Oh. All for the sin of not being in the right Synod. Idea. Mm-mm-mm. Great way to grow your church, isn't it? I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's why it's so small. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't we thankful that um, the grace of God has allowed us to be at King of Glory, and uh, we're thankful that everyone is welcome at the altar. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. We need to move on. There's another Greek word, and this is the extent of my Greek, and that is agape. And I know that that one is something that we hear a lot, too, when we're studying um, or coming to Bible class. And um, it's God's love for us and the type of unselfish love with which Jesus tells us to love God and love our neighbor. So have you had any, any experiences with this word? Anything that anyone want to mention about agape? The Greeks would really laugh at us because we say, um, I agape my husband, and then we say, I agape Doritos. (laughs) We use the same word for everything, don't we? Whereas the Greeks Greeks had four, four different love words. Can't have enough love. But they used this word for the special love that God has for us. God is not just has love, but we know that God is love. It is uh, one of his qualities. And so that is a very special word. It is not, uh, does not appear in the Bible. It appears as the word love in our translations. And, uh, but it's important to know that it is a special kind of love. Um, let's see. Oh, there's our spelling champ, Karthik mm-hmm. Namani. Remember that he won the spelling bee for spelling koinonia. Can anybody spell it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. 
head of the class. Oh. Amen. That's right. Um, okay, let's see. Now, the next thing, uh, we talked about agape. And now, let's take a look at these handouts that we have. Because we're going to be talking about ten helpful words. In the first list, these are all nouns, and these are all God's gifts to us, some of God's many gifts to us through Christ. Um, These are all mixed up on the slide here, and so we'll make sure we get the right one in the right uh, statement. Would anyone read number one for us? Anyone volunteer? Deliverance from the power of sin, death, and the devil. This word comes from the word save, and it is... What? Salvation. Salvation. (laughs) Comes from the word save. Uh, Someone has... Does someone have Acts 4.12? Oh, no, never mind. I decided not to do that in the interest of time. Um, But there are many places in the scripture that talk about, that use the word salvation. And that's... These are or more familiar terms, so I decided we wouldn't take the time to look all of these up. So, deliverance from the power of sin, death, and the devil. That's right out of Luther's catechism. Um, Number two. Yes, um, Harriet? We have belief and trust in God, even though we cannot see him. The Holy Spirit works in us to strengthen, strengthen us all our lives. What is it? Faith. 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 How do you feel about that? Do you feel that your faith is stronger now than when you were a new believer? Yes. What do you account for that? What do you think about that? How did that happen? Carol? I I think the more you spend time like in confirmation, mm-hmm. and you memorize, and you're in the Word, your faith does become stronger mm-hmm. in studies. All right. Mm-hmm. Studying the Word, I think that certainly is true. Um, there are things, I hope, that we know now that we didn't know when we were new believers and first beginning to study. What else? Yes. And I think in terms well, of, I, you know, once I get to know a person and I know their past, I can kind of guess how they will treat me or others in the future. And so I think it's because of seeing God respond mercifully to me in the past, graciously, whatever, all the things. As I get older, I see what he's done in the past, so I can more more surely depend on that being his nature the integrity he has mm-hmm. to yeah. act in the future the same way. Right. Thank you. We have a history with God, and we can trust that. That's stated much more succinctly. Yeah. I'm just trying to get my hand around, hand around what you were saying about it. Um, you look puzzled. Where? Yeah, um, I wanted to second what was just said in terms of uh, faith being a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that I've had a relationship from the day of my baptism. And um, as Claire said, you know, there's, um, there's been 74 years now of relationship. And yes, my 
that faith relationship is much stronger than when I was baptized because that time I couldn't articulate it. I didn't know what. I, I did not know that God had grabbed me, that he was in a relationship with me, but that continues to grow. And God forbid if I should get go into Alzheimer's and no longer remember who I am or who Jesus is, I know that that um, that God still will know me and that my faith, that relationship will still hold me fast. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes we um, think <clears throat> that our faith had gets jump-started every now and then with something that happens or um, something that we hear or uh, maybe a, a special comfort, a transfiguration experience, whatever. Um, and then, but we wonder if perhaps the Holy Spirit has really been moving in our lives all along and that there are just these moments that we, just like the, the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, that they just got it. Um, all of a sudden, and then it, we kind of go back to the valleys again. But um, I had an interesting talk with my sister-in-law yesterday. It happened to be at a funeral, and um, she said that she can see her daughter, my niece, really growing in her faith. And she's about she's in her early thirties. And um, my sister-in-law said. You know, I think that's about when I really took off. And I said, well, me too. You know, we were just sharing that, that special age that we remember um, when things just came alive. And um, it, you just experience um, so much as you're reading the Word, as Carol said, or as you're just going through life and you begin to understand that God is faithful and that we can put our weight down. On him, he's going to be there for us. Um, this just such a great journey. Okay, uh, number three. Would someone read that one for us? The undeserved favor or kindness that God gives us is called grace. Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us can remember God's riches at Christ's expense. The G-R-A-C-E, which is a good one. Um, I think mostly the word grace is used in the New Testament. Um, Old Testament typically uses the word what? Mercy. 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 We sing a lot about mercy in our worship. Um, At the beginning of our worship, we're asking God, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. For the things that we have done, the sins we have committed, um, we want him to have mercy rather than send us to the block. And um, then we began to learn about this other word that is emphasized so much in the New Testament, which is grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, that he, he gives that to us so readily. It's unearned. It's undeserved. Um, we, we, receive, we receive grace through the blood of Christ. Other Comments, thoughts, or your experiences with these words? They're big, heavy words. So we're always encountering them. Okay, number four. Got one left in the list here. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Well, well hold up, hold up. Go back one. 
to number four, the relationship. What? The relationship. Oh, I'm sorry, Jim. We're, we're, yeah, I we're, thought you were saying rating number four. No, not quite. I got too many number fours this morning. The relationship between God and humans, which was broken through sin, has been reinstated through Jesus' sacrifice. We are once again at one with our Heavenly Father. We call this atonement. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And if you, you notice how when you break the word down, at it's one at one minute. And that is exactly what that means. Because back in the Old Testament, one of the articles of furniture in the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant. And that gold um, lid that fit over the top of the ark was called um, the atonement, the place of the atonement. Um, It was also called the mercy seat. And you know what God said about that particular piece of furniture in the tabernacle? That is where I will come and meet with you. And it was only, there was only one day of the year that the high priest would go and um, put blood on that atonement cover. And that was to cleanse the sins of the people. The great day of atonement. You know, our Jewish friends celebrate that every year. Do you know the name of their holiday? Yom Kippur? Uh-huh. Um, Yom means day, and Kippur means to atonement. So that's exactly what it is, the day of atonement. Now, we have the New Testament. So what what do we have now that um, is the atoning sacrifice? Jesus, yes. Um, there's a lot to read about that. If you want more information, um, Hebrews 9 and 10 give a lot of information about this atonement Um, because our relationship with God has been broken. It's the atonement that brings our relationship back. We're going to talk about that again in a moment. Okay, any questions about these four? I hope you'll be interested to do a little research and studying on your own. They're wonderful words. All right, now we're going to move on to verbs. And I've labeled this list, Our Position in Christ. This is a done deal. When we believe what Jesus has done for us, um, we have these things. We are not still striving to be justified or striving to be reconciled. There's no striving here. Jesus has done the work, and this is where we stand before him. All right, now we come to justified. And this time I've I've included the words, but we are going to look up the verses. So justified, my sin is erased. When I am justified, it is just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd. Um, So would someone give us Romans 5, 9? Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And then 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
I love that, that great exchange. Yeah. Our stand for his righteousness. And then Romans 4, 25. Who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification? Okay. So it's a legal term, isn't it? When um, we are, it's justice. Um, God's holiness requires justice. Sin has to be paid for. But no longer do we have to pay for our own sin because we believe that Jesus has been to the cross to be our sacrifice. And he is the one who justifies us. It is his body and his blood that makes it right before God, the holy judge. The scales of justice balance because of what Jesus has done in our place. So in justification, a sinful human being is made acceptable to a holy God. Justification is based on the work of Christ, accomplished through his blood, and brought to his people through his resurrection. So we have justified. All right. Uh, number two is reconciled. If someone would read that one. I am no longer alienated from God because of my sin. God has reconciled me to himself through Jesus Christ. Romans 5. And, uh, and I think someone has that one. Romans, this would be number seven on the cards. Romans 5, 10 through 11. And if, you know, certainly look these up, but if you're not going to take the time to look them up, we'll just, we'll just listen real carefully. Okay. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That's a lot like atonement. Um, reconciliation. Let's do the other one, too. Second Corinthians 5, 18. And actually, um, bait and switch. Whoever has this one, would you read 19 also? All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciled in the world to himself through Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Um, where did reconciliation or conciliation fall apart? When, when was our relationship with God broken? Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden. Right, right from the beginning. And so my thinking is that God and Adam were walking in the garden and experiencing counsel together, conversation, walking together in peace. So when sin came, that was broken. But now that Jesus has come, we have reconciliation. So that's the R-E. 
It's added to counsel. And so we have it back with God. We have that relationship restored. And not only that, but God has given us what ministry? The ministry of reconciliation. So through the Holy Spirit, we can become reconciled to to him, but to one another, and encourage that reconciliation. Um, Let's see if there was anything else about that. Okay, God and his people are brought together again. Uh, Sin had corrupted the original union, God and man, and now through Jesus we are reconciled or reconciled. Number three, sanctified. We already know this about you, but we just want to hear it from your own lips. Anybody? I am a saint. I knew somebody would jump in. (laughs) At my baptism, the Holy Spirit began the work that I might be sanctified and continues this work during my life as a believer. All right, so we, um, Luther says we're both saints and sinners, and he's right, isn't he? Um, Paul continues to tell us through his letters, uh, he addresses the believers as saints, and amazingly, that's who we are. Jesus has, or the Lord has pronounced us saints. Uh, let's hear from the scripture, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. Yes, Linda. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God shows you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through and through belief in the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've been chosen for this sanctification, and um, yeah, and so for our belief in the truth. <coughs> What about the First Peter passage? First Peter 1, 4-16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So we're called to be holy. Saints, set apart for God. And then one more here, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. And I'm not sure, did I add 24 on that one? Uh, 23 and 24. Yeah, we need both, please, Bob. So listen for anything about sanctification. Okay, now... uh, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So do we have to worry about being sanctified? Apparently not, because we learn here that the Holy Spirit will do it. Thoughts about sanctification? Information that you... Was that last Bible verse? 
I'm sorry, the last one, that is 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Okay. Yes, Judy. I remember when our kids young, were younger and went to a children's sermon and first learned that they were saints. Uh-huh. And all week long, St. Jill, St. Rachel, but it only lasted about four days. That was a lesson that stuck for a while. For four days, they were all saints. You know, we all need a reminder sometimes. <laughs> That's funny. So by grace, then, by God's grace, through the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word, a believer is set apart and becomes dedicated to holy, righteous living. But I will add, it's a process. The Holy Spirit is working on us day by day, moment by moment sometimes. It is his desire that we become his holy people. Oh, that's another good passage, but we don't have time to look that up. <laughs> A holy people. Um, so that, you know, these are the things that we can count on the Holy Spirit to do in our lives. Because as Bob's first said, he will do it. It begins the moment of our, uh, our belief, the moment of our baptism, and uh, carries right on through um, till the end of our lives. It is the Spirit's way of making us more like Jesus. All right, we have another one that's uh, on the back. Who would like to do redeemed? We had uh, a little bit about that in the worship this morning. Redeemed, a wonderful word. I have been bought back from sin, death, and the devil. What price was paid for me that I might be redeemed? The all-availing blood of Jesus Christ. This has to do with the price that was paid for us. Um, Thoughts about... Well, let's do our scripture first, and then we'll hear from you. Um, 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19, who has... That one. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. In our, there's a place in our worship that says that uses this uh, term, the all-availing blood of Jesus Christ. What do you, what does that mean to you? All-availing blood of Jesus Christ. Includes Elka. <laughs> okay, yes, it sure does. Is it available to all? Is that what you're saying? I think so. Available to all. I wonder if it could also mean for every single sin, every single iniquity, every single sin of omission or commission or thought, word, and deed, all availing. Able to forgive everything. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
I just really like that. Um, all right, Ephesians 1, 7. In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's Ephesians 1, 7. Thank you. So, redeemed, a sinner, destined for the wrath of God. You know where our, our destiny is, right? As sinners, we're destined for the wrath of God. But we are, brought, we are bought, purchased by the payment of Jesus' blood and then delivered to freedom. And freedom has two parts because we have freedom from sin, but we have freedom to serve, don't we? Freedom from sin and yet also freedom to serve. And the Holy Spirit puts that desire in our hearts. We serve willingly because we know what price has been paid for our trespasses. The all-availing blood of Jesus Christ. I think about the picture of the slave auction and the mass, the, um, the uh, buyer, if you will, purchases a slave off of the block and takes that slave home, and this poor slave does not have a clue what is going to happen to him. But that master says, I have purchased you with the specific uh, reason of setting you free. And so you are free to go. And so then the slave says, well, I believe I would rather stay here and serve you. That's where we are, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Jesus has paid this enormous price, this incomparable price for us. And our response then is, thank you. How can I serve you? What can I do? And, you know, I think that's um, redemption. Redeemed. What do I have? Redeemed. We are redeemed. So these are four things that describe us. Our position in Jesus Christ, we are sanctified, we are justified, we are redeemed, we are reconciled. And this is just a few of many. Thoughts, questions? Uh, there are some good Old, <coughs> Old Testament examples of the Redeemer. Remember the story of Ruth and Boaz? And... Um, Boaz comes forward because the, the nearest kinsman to Ruth will not purchase her. He has some other things that he wants to do with his money. And so Boaz comes along and he says, I will redeem her. And it's a, a picture of what Christ will do for us when he comes in the New Testament. And God himself is a redeemer. Job says, I know that my redeemer lives. And I will see him on this earth. That's that's Job 19.25. That's worth looking up to. That's the same um, scripture that's used in Handel's Messiah. I know that my Redeemer lives. Okay. Back to the practical. One of the things that it's important for the Bible student to know is how to draw a map of Israel. (laughs) So if you will find a little spot on your handout somewhere, 
You don't need much room, you know. Israel is one of the tiniest countries in the world, but it is located in one of the most strategic places, right there on the Mediterranean Sea and surrounded by many, many other countries. People have traipsed through Israel on their way to somewhere else for centuries. So here's what you do. You draw a little teardrop at the top of your page. You can do this. Draw this little teardrop, and you want to label that the Sea of Galilee. This is what it looks like, this little blue part right here. That's the Sea of Galilee. So then after you do that, you want to come to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee and make a little squiggly line all the way down to here. And that's the Jordan River. If you get the bodies of water labeled, then you can put everything else on the map. And then the last thing that you want to draw is a sort of long oval that looks like this, and you can label that the Dead Sea. So everything around that is is um, is Israel. Well, you've also got you've got Israel here. You've got other countries labeled all around it, West Bank. What's this body of water out here? That's the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Sea. But from here you can do, you can put in Jerusalem down here, you can put in Bethlehem down here, you can put in Nazareth, Capernaum, Cana, all the Galilee, just whatever you're studying. And that way you can um, have a, sort of a, an idea of where things are. There's a lot of walking, you know, in the New Testament. We hear about um, Mary and, and Joseph walking or journeying all the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's not probably not as far as you might think. Um, the journey from Emmaus, um, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, seven miles. So that would just be two little close stops. Larry, are we out of time? Oh. Actually, we just studied that in our small group, and the distance from uh, Galilee down to Nazareth is about 85 miles. They said if they, if they went straight through Samaria, mm-hmm. if they went along the northern edge of the Jordan River to avoid it, it would be like 129 miles. And yet, there are those Israelites that would do that. Those Jewish religious leaders would go way out of their way to avoid uh, so anyway, if you need it, there it is. Um, now on the ha- back to the handout, uh, I want us to. Um, I think we're just going to stop now because I want us to share verses. Some of you all I know prepared a verse to share with the class today, and I definitely want to hear from you. On the handout, though, just so you'll know, there are a few strategic passages that I've listed for you from the Old Testament, some from the New Testament. Again, this is just a sampling, and there are many, many others. They're all important. And uh, so let's stop. And we've already heard from Linda uh, Nielsen, who gave us her special verse and why that is special to her. Is there anybody else that has one that you'd like to share with us? Yes, Jim. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known among men, for the Lord is at hand. Therefore be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. 
And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 4 to 7. Wow, even if he hasn't memorized. That's a wonderful watchword. How long has that been with you? <laughs> Since I was a teenager. I'm sure. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And has there been a special time in your life that it has been uh, more meaningful? I've seen it over and over, over and over. And over. over and over again. Good thing. Be anxious about nothing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to be anxious about everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. And then how does it? How does the passage begin? Rejoice. Yeah. And again, I'd say rejoice. And if the Lord is at hand, where is He? Mm-hmm. Right here. Mm-hmm. Another one. Or even if you didn't have it prepared, you probably have a special. Yes, Harriet. Uh, I'm very fond of Romans 15. Please others, not yourselves. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Thank you. And how did that come to be special to you? I think I think for daily living, just mm-hmm. facing each day with, uh, you know, you have to deal with other people and life. Uh, we heard that part. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. All right. What translation was that, Harriet? Uh, new Revised Standard Revision. New Revised Standard. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had this for years, long before I belonged to the Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. Belongs to this church here. Mm-hmm. I, I, it looks very much the same. Uh, sometimes the words or the verbs are a little, a little different. different. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. meaning. I like that one. Mm-hmm. In fact, that last verse that you read, Romans 15, maybe 13, I can't remember. We were at a church once that that verse was printed at the bottom of all the stationery. And that was a, just a good reminder of mm-hmm. hope, our hope in the Lord. Good to your neighbor, yeah. And yeah, thank you, Harriet. Another? I like the one from uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, and verse 2, essentially. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm-hmm. The wording in the, I think the King James Version emphasizes we were transformed, which tells me I didn't do it, <laughs> and I can't do it, so I better rely on mm-hmm. That was Romans 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. That's a good one. Anybody else? Yes, Pastor? Um, as a baby who rocked his own cradle, 
my dad knew that I needed a short leash, so he gave me 2 Corinthians 5.15 as my confirmation. Verse. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for him and rose again. And that verse, um, this coming Tuesday will be the 47th anniversary of my being shot in a holdup in New Orleans, um, in which um, God graciously spared my life. So, uh, that, and that was, um, God brought many blessings out of that incident in my life. Um, one of which is I'm still married to Judy, um, so um, that I would no longer live for myself or, but for Jesus. Mm. And so my funeral, one of my hymns is going to be Living for Jesus. Living for Jesus, a life that is true. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's my verse. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Anybody else? This is so nice to hear. Yes, Larry. First Corinthians 10.13. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. Sin is always at hand. Good to know that we we have the Lord watching over us and even providing a way of escape. So just see it and use it. How did that become your favorite or one of your favorites? I'm a sinner. <laughs> we thought you were a saint. <laughs> and that provides good consolation for all of us. Anyone else? Yep. I was thinking okay, Tom. during the past week, these verses from first from John, the Gospel of John. He came, John 1, 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I don't know why, but that just hit me. I had been reading in the Old Testament of how the Jewish people, you know, didn't accept him, and they mm-hmm. ended up in Babylon. And, uh, mm-hmm. But that, that meant a lot to me this past week. Good. Yeah. Well, the Bible is so current, I think. We're always seeing things that jump out at us that maybe we haven't noticed. I was thinking of the world scene today of what I see happening. Mm-hmm. And it just did. Well, thank you all so much for sharing these. Um, I have on your handout the um, some helpful resources for you for continued Bible study, um, things that you might want to look for if you get a chance to go to a good Bible bookstore or to go online and uh, take a look at some resources that will help you out. Um, We'll finish with Abraham Lincoln's uh, words. We didn't get to the X. We did the Dead Sea Scrolls last week. Here he is reading the Bible to his son, Tad. So we'll finish on this note. In regard to this great book, I have but to say it is the best gift God has given to men. 
all the good that the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. But for it, we could not know right from wrong. All things most desirable for man's welfare, here and hereafter, are to be found portrayed in it. Um, Carol Dobler brought that to my attention last time we offered the class, so I wanted to include it. And I think the psalmist would certainly agree, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Thank you for hanging in there for these three weeks, those of you who've been here all along. And I hope that the class will spur us all on to continue our study and uh, be faithful in uh, any time there's a Bible study that's offered to be here. Just so you know what's coming next, and then, um, then we'll go. Next week, for three weeks, we have Lent 101. We've got a good start today. And this is going to be taught by Claire Partlow. Thank you for that. That's a great topic. And we also have starting, parallel to that, Pastor Philip Keener and also young Dr. Philip Swenson, who together will be teaching Good God, Bad World. Do you want to say anything to that about that now? or No? We need to come and find out what in the world that means. There's a tag under it, the seventh petition. Oh. Good God, Bad World, seventh petition, deliver us from evil. Oh, deliver us from evil. And that's really, that's, that's the launching, our launching pad is the seventh petition. I see. I didn't get that. Okay, good to know. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being with us. We ask that you would keep us safe. Please bless all the people who are ill. There's so many that are sick today. We ask your healing upon them. We thank you for this season of Lent that is coming. Prepare our hearts and help us to keep our focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.